We're back. This is another episode of The Mix Show here with Stilo Brim. What up, homie? How are you, man? What's good, my dude? How you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm glad we get to do this because I drink way too much wine. And and, and so, like, yeah, I think... That's our problem. I, it's a great, it's a, you know, it's, I get paid now to talk about wine. This is, this is a great, this is a great job. I mean, I, I get to talk show. about wine with you. Yeah. Call wine and weed. So, I mean, I, I get it. I love to do our show and have me a nice glass of wine. I didn't have a glass of wine today just yet, but I have been smoking a little weed, so we're good. So tell me, how old were you when you first started drinking wine? When I first started drinking wine, actually wine was the first thing I ever tasted. I was 24 when I had my first drink of alcohol. Um, okay. When I, when I had my first drink of wine, I remember like it was yesterday. Me and my best friend might be joining us, snuck into the NCAA. I mean, it's NCAA, the NAACP Image Awards. Uh, we weren't supposed to be there. I had never had a glass of wine, never had any drink in my life. I think I was like 22, and wanted to fit in, wanted to look around and not like weirdos who snuck into this party. So we saw it was a free wine bar, and I remember drinking some Chardonnay. To age yeah. of 22, that was my first drink of wine. I hated it. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah, you can't. Chardonnay, Chardonnay is a bad. That's a bad way to. That's a bad. <laughs> it's like grandma wine. Like, it like, is. That's all they like, had though. It was free, and they had it. And I was like, all right, cool. I love it. When you first started getting into more sophisticated palettes of wine, where you're like, it was. It's almost like uh, when, when you have to like. You growing up, I had to get all my sneakers at like Kmart and Sears, and then like I discovered Jordans, and it was like, whoa, this is a, this is a different fucking world. Like, yeah. it's like, it is a completely different world, and it's a world that I try not to. For me, it's either in, in any any world, anything that you do is either you're in or you're out. So I try not to fake be, being an actual connoisseur or a sommelier in, in the space of wine. But I do, yeah. The more and more I drink wine, I get to know it more. Of course, I'm getting to more sophisticated things, but I try to just enjoy the true essence of just like the wine. It could be the cheapest wine to an expensive wine. I try to, I play with it now and try to act like I can taste what the fuck is in it. But I, I can't tell. I can't really tell. Yeah, I, dude, I, I still can't tell either. Have you ever chosen a bottle of wine just based off of the, the logo and the sticker and the branding and the art on the bottle? Of course. I mean, yeah, me too. We don't buy anything from, you know, we may hear hearsay, may hear from, but we buy everything from the marketing of it. So, of course, yeah. I, I may see that this this bottle looks a certain way, or it might just be a certain price. And I might say, well, yeah. it's supposed to be good, because why would they charge me this much? Because <laughs> like, yeah. they fucking know you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So let me ask you, you you've built um, we have a bunch of things I want to get in, into uh, with you about career and, and branding and, and things of that nature. But you've built a brand based on uh, two vices, basically. Have you ever caught any 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 flack or any any negative um, publicity from like basically making a positive positive out of like things that other people would consider vices? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not looking at it as like, oh, this is a positive uh, necessarily. It's a vehicle. It's the vehicle that we choose to use on our show and to get into different topics, getting different things. And it's also a social lubricant. We understand that we're able to, like, don't want to say get away with more things, but have tougher conversations that most podcasts can't say if you're truly sober and you'd be like, oh, I'm being quoted on every moment of what I'm talking about versus if you're like, this motherfucker is high as hell and he is drunk as hell. We can't take everything that's too serious. But, yeah, it's, it's more of a vehicle that we use. Um, of course, my, my dad works in, in, in 
I guess, in youth baseball in the community. My mom works in the community a lot. So they, they don't necessarily love the fact that I do a podcast called Wine and Leave. I try to tell kids all day, like, mom's a teacher. She's like, they in school and education is this. And then my dad's working with kids. And he's also like, but your son, <laughs> but your son had a podcast where he's smoking and drinking. And you're like, but if I don't think you should watch his podcast because it's not you're not ready for that just yet. But at the same time, if you were, I try to to still make sure that the quality is there and you're still getting healthy conversations, things that I feel like if they weren't for whatever reason to to indulge in my podcast, you still have things you can take away from it. And, and it has heart there and not just, we're drunk and high, so blah, blah, blah. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. How did you guys go about building like that as a brand? We talk about this a lot on, on this show. I, I try to really focus on people who have a lot of different aspects of, of life going on and the, the proverbial multi-hyphenate category. And I think like, especially over the last year, if you didn't have a side hustle and you didn't have a, a personal brand and you didn't have a brand of anything else going on outside of your quote unquote real life, you probably do now if they're sitting home all year. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tools or, or, or tips for people who are trying to build a sustainable brand, whether it's a personal brand or a, like you have, you've done or, or just a consumer brand like the wine and wheat? I think establishing a brand story is always step number one, the most important thing. Uh, anything that you do in life, uh, we're all brands, whether you want to look at ourselves as brands or a person, whatever, we're all brands just about what are you selling. So for me, it's about establishing a brand story. You look at yourself where you look at, okay, well, what is the brand story of wine and weed? Well, it's a show that is about two individuals, about two completely different backgrounds, different places that want to have healthy conversations to kind of be the liaison between whatever side of America, the left side of America, the right side of America, and establishing a brand story and saying, okay, well, all that falls under this brand story and this brand umbrella, it makes it just that much more clear. So then you never get sidetracked on doing this thing and doing this thing because, no, if they don't fall under my actual brand story and my brand umbrella, then there's no point in me actually doing that. It won't strengthen them. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you think you made any decisions at the beginning of your career uh, that maybe impacted in a positive or negative way where your brand's at now? Well, I, I try not to, like, actually live with regrets, whether that sounds cliche or not. I do have things that I look at and say, oh, if I could do that, oh, well, I'll probably then this like this and just see how it, you know, it happened turned out this way. But um, I try not to just focus on, like, whatever it is and say, OK, well, what is the lesson that I'm supposed to be taking away from this thing? What's the silver lining that I'm supposed to be uh, uh, finding in this thing and not look at things as like, man, if I can get that thing over. Of course, we all have things in our careers or in lives that we're like, shit, well, I'm, it may be a timing thing. You may say to yourself, well, you know what? Oh, if I would have did that thing that I did now, if I did that two years ago, I'd be even further. You're like, no, no. Right. You did that thing when you did that thing for whatever reason, you did that thing. Like you, you might have been poly- more polished you may have been ready for the actual blessing or whatever you're about to receive. You may be ready for the work. And that journey within that two years may have been a part of the actual homework so that you can make it to this test and pass this fucking test. So I try not to look at it and say, oh, man, if I did that thing, I say, man, who don't want to be rich or younger? <laughs> Do more things and shit. Travel a little Of course. But at the same time, my journey is my journey. And I think that I think I'm right, right in that spot. I need to be to raise some things happen. Obviously, you're from Chicago. People mm-hmm. should know that you got the RSVP hoodie on, the, the yeah, White yeah. Sox hat. You know, yeah. you know. Let, let's let, let's talk about Chicago hip hop real quick. Yeah. What was your first introduction to like just really dope Chicago shit? 
the aura, the, the, the artist going on is aura anymore, R. Kelly. But R. Kelly did raise Chicago in a lot of ways, music. So R&B was embedded in the music that was going on, whether it was a hip-hop yeah. artist or a rapper or an R&B singer. So if you were stylistically, Twista still had to actually bring hip-hop notes within his music for us to yeah. really receive it. You know what I'm saying? So Do It Die, Crucial Conflict, these are all, you know, artists I listened to growing up. So Twista was definitely probably the first artist from Chicago that I, uh, I'm only 32, that I connected with and was like, Shit, this this is our representation right here. This is the person that's rapping for us. Um, other than that, when it really hit the scene and really made the real waves, and we would ticket, you know, it was an international. That was Kanye, guys. So we gotta give him credit yeah. for that. Yeah. You know, those were soundtracks to my my real childhood. Like I listened to us the records. And I can remember exactly where I was or what basement party I was at, what the fuck I was doing at a corner store. I remember my head. So same thing with Kanye. Kanye like really did mold and shape a lot of. I'll say my childhood and, and, and high school years within Chicago. And he was dope representation for somebody that truly lived in the hood. I was from, I'm from K-Town, I'm from West Side, a crazy area. But I, I knew at a young age that I didn't have to necessarily be up the hood the community. I, I loved Kanye for that. It's being like the outcast because people don't realize the outcast is a mass. Yeah, you have a favorite Kanye album? Favorite Kanye album? Ooh. I'm going to be biased and say um, College Dropout just because of what it what it did as far as culturally speaking in Chicago, which is bigger than rap. So it was just for me, it was like, whoa, shit, we're a real city. We know we're a real city. We're the third biggest city in America. But somehow, for whatever reason, people look over it and other ways. So it was like, for me, it was like, oh, this is huge. I love the first three, the ultimate classics. 808s to me is a classic for what it did sonically. Uh, it wasn't my favorite album, but I do think it was dope. My Dark um, Twisted Fantasy is an amazing body of work, probably one of his best albums put together. I'm a, I'm a Kanye fan. I love Kanye, but I would say probably yeah. College Dropout. Nice. I grew up loving the early Common albums, and I, my mm. favorite Chicago album of all time was probably uh, Common's Resurrection album. I'm oh, a little older than you, yeah. and uh, with with I used to love her and all that. And I listened to that album repeatedly. I used to be really fat in high school, and I used to go to the gym at six in the morning to try to like lose my weight. And I would listen to that album on a treadmill every day for 45 minutes before I went to school. So like to this day, when I put that album on, I get like PTSD of like oh, my right. clothes like not fitting and like feeling like oh, I'm sweating right. on a treadmill at like a, at like a Bally's or like in a strip mall I, in the middle of Ohio. I like, thought you were like, going like, yeah, use it as an actual workout playlist to this day. Cause you nah, nah. I mean, I, 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 I've occasionally threw it on at a gym, but when you, when I go back and listen to it, it's just like, it didn't age really well as an, aggressive gym album it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's more of like now it's like that you know i listen to them all the time still but it's like like i want to actually now i rent back and bought the vinyl. it's a very like sunday afternoon put the vinyl on it's a very yeah. much more like daytime drink yeah. some wine you know it's it's like it's that type of album I, if i put that shit in the gym right now it'd be i'd be lifting like 10 pound little weights like for me common was like he's older than really my generation listening to or my, my age back and listening to common but of course when introduced to common when i was able to actually comprehend and understand and really connect with yeah that's interesting i, I mean I, I think 
we relate to music a lot of ways through 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 bridges like like you mentioned like that because i didn't learn i learned so much especially i mean as, from a dj mind state too in general like mm-hmm. you discover so much stuff through bridges and now i think it's people are so fortunate because with spotify and with like going on like who sampled and all those websites mm-hmm. like you, you, we live in a bridge culture like if you listen to three songs like did you just mention people can easily discover weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of awesome yeah. shit and and, and, sure. and i love that do you miss the art of discovery or do you like the mm. fact that everybody has all access to everything? Because we also live in this world where people only want, you want sneakers nobody has and you people, you live in a world you want the shirt nobody has and all that mm. shit. But when it comes to music, there's no longer that level of exclusivity. Yeah. I think a part of us and how we were raised, we all kind of, anything, you love it when it's more exclusive. You love it when it's a little more underground and you feel like you're the person that's putting people on. Or you're the person yeah. that knows this thing. You know what I'm saying? I was a, a mutual friend, Miguel. I, when I first met Miguel, I talked to Miguel, I was in MySpace days and pretty much his whole first album was already on MySpace. On his, like, yeah. it, it was on his playlist that he had on. And I remember like, getting him to come in and meet. For me, I was like, man, this dude's dope. This dude's dope. People are just sleeping with this guy. This guy is dope. People are sleeping with this guy. His kid needs more exposure. Blah, blah. And then that person blows up and you're like, see? But you're also like, damn, now you're just stuck. So <laughs> how did you go from being like in, I assume maybe you were in Miguel's top eight on MySpace to go in to have a, <laughs> you know, the whole MTV thing and, and, and all that. Like what, like how did all those like lines cross? I was working on another album of artists, I was working at AR and just helping put their project together. And I met Drama from Fantasy Factory and Young Records, Rob's cousin. Met him and he wanted to start a publishing production company. And I was like, I can help you with this. I can put this stuff together. I know how to songwriters and producers, like, you know, help you, you know, kind of grow your little catalog, your producing. And he was, you know, a managing producer, so to speak. And he was like, yeah, please help me with this. And then Rob just came to the studio like twice and I was just being myself. Crazy energy in the studio. Also, always motivated, making people, you know, always just working with whoever it is and just always providing some good energy. Um, and I think Robert was just like, this dude's funny and crazy. And he was like, yo, can I holler at you? And I didn't know him from a hole in the wall. He was like, hey, we should do a show together. And I was <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool, bro. Good talk. Like, Hollywood bullshit. <laughs> and um, that was really, really the only time he really spoke. He told me what the show was going to be about. I told him, oh, okay, cool. Didn't have his number or anything. He calls me three months later and was like, hey, uh, that's, this is Rob. Wait, first of all, Rob, if you know Rob, and if you don't know Rob, I'll give you guys a little insight. He was like, that show, though, that I mentioned to you, um, we started tomorrow at 10 a.m. Can you be there? I've never been on television. Not even in my – it wasn't why I moved to L.A. It wasn't my interest. I was so wholeheartedly feeling like – a&R is going to take me into owning a label one day. Like, I want to, you know, this is my passion. This is what the fuck I want to do. And now somebody's telling me, hey, come and do this TV show with me. And I don't know. Something just in me was like, well, I can be there. I'll be there at 10 a.m. And I went and we knocked it out. Do you think that be here tomorrow at 10 a.m. thing was a test? Because he obviously knew about the show before that night, before, mm. you know, to call you. But I feel like a lot of times you hear a lot of these origin stories like if you will uh, of people who are like you know their dream job call i mean i, I see even a lot like in the, in the tech industry that people are just like oh like i really wanted to work for uber they called me and said oh we have an internship starting tomorrow but you live in kansas and you, and you just lie and be like no problem i'll be there 9 a.m no problem and then you just like fucking somehow get from kansas from target and you get there yeah and so i just 
you wonder, like, do you think that was a test? Because you obviously passed it. I, I love the question. Part of me wants to believe that it was and that he was really this fucking strategic and just. I know, like, I know where you're going with this. You're about yeah, to say no. But, but the other part of me was like, there was a, like, yeah. if, I, if I got there and walked around, it was another black dude that looked like me on set that was waiting on his call. I'd be like, it was a test. <laughs> it was like, the, like the backup steel. Yeah, 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 it was like, no, for me, it was that I knew I was close enough. But at the same time, uh, if I wasn't there, if I wasn't ready, if I didn't deliver, who knows? I mean, they would have had to figure something out. The show was picked up. They had to get a green light for actually yeah. shooting it. So they would have to figure something out. And um, those dudes were funny. I mean, Je the first day, Jeff Tremaine, who is an executive producer and co-creator of Jackass, who's also an EP on Ridiculous. First day, I don't know you. I'm scared. It's my first day being on television. That dude's walking around, fuck this up. Just like, that's the first thing he says to me. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Also, if you know Jeff, that's just a joke that Jeff says to everybody. But I don't know. This is my first day. I am petrified. And Rob had went really hard in telling them, like, this is the guy, which I don't know why he did that and bet on me that hard, but it worked out. That's awesome. Let's talk about consistency. You guys have been on for, I mean, what, the show's been on 10 years? The show's uh, now been... Yeah, 10 years. Crazy, oh, which is 20 seasons, but 10 years, which is a lot of fucking work for you. So congratulations to that. What lessons would you be able to, to give to our audience about consistency? For us, it's been consistency. And I think with consistency and, and, and time uh, on all of us, if you want to do more things, it's about also efficiency as well. Our first season, we started off filming at 6 a.m. We are done by 6 p.m. And that was... Industry normal, industry standard. People were like, oh, it's what I'm right there. That's cool. You shot. That's cool. And now we film six episodes a day and we start at 10 a.m. We might be done by two. And oh, wow. That's with all six episodes of us being like, take care. Have a good day. So efficiency was big in that as well. And just for us being smart and say, okay, well, this is becoming the bread and butter of the network somewhat. Let's pump out more. Let's give, you know, I guess the viewership what they what they want. We are consistent because we do have actual chemistry and camaraderie on the show. Like it is fun. It is still fun. I think the day that it stops being fun, we'll all look at it. It's kind of hard with being able to do six in a day and really quick sure, yeah. to walk away. But at the same time, I think the day that we are not having fun anymore and we can't stand each other, we'll probably be the day that we say, hey guys, we did it. We're 58. We did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got like 27 more years of that for you, right? And, yeah. and, and we'll see. 62 more seasons. I don't, I don't want it uh, for myself, but they, they also just, it's fun. It is fucking fun. It's easy. No, I love that. What's, what would be your dream guest for, for a wine tasting? Dead or alive? Five people. It's the anniversary of that anniversary of Kobe. So I'd probably say Kobe just because Kobe... I feel like he'd be well versed in wine. Like he speaks hell yeah. languages. He, he's lived all over the world. I feel like he would know everything about wine. So I would definitely say Kobe. I'd be like Kobe Bryant for sure. And that gives you so many other international options for your other guests because they could speak any language. Yeah, and, could, yeah. and then he could just translate. And then I gotta trust him. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Trust. We trust that Andy's drinking wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this is a good question because I'm like, I'm really like. I'm stumped on like who I would be like, oh, that person. Uh, I'm trying let's, to think about my fan. Let's cut it down. Let's cut it down to three then. Kobe. Three? Who else? Okay, Kobe. 
Oh, um, if we're going to keep it smooth, then I would say Kobe, Sade. Oh. Because I just feel like it goes, I feel like Sade just goes with one. So it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. she's you supposed to be there. Four, four letter names, too. That's nice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I need one more. <laughs> Uh, oh, Pele. Pele. <laughs> I'm like seal. Yeah, so not, yeah. no, no. Mick, Mick is good. Mick, oh, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me give one more. Let me give one more. I, mean, I would say Dave Chappelle. I'll go with Dave. Oh, Dave. I'll go with Dave just because I know if nothing else, comedic relief is gonna be a good time. We're gonna all have fun, talk some shit, talk with the world. And get into some stuff. So I'll go with that for right there. I like that. If you ask this question to 90% of people on a podcast or an interview, they'd be like, Jesus, Obama, Oprah. It's Wait, obviously it's all, like, all great choices. By all the great way. choices all great for choice. dinner. Yeah, all for dinner. Because you got that, but we're saying strictly wine tasting. I got to have yeah. the right, you know what I'm saying? I don't want Jesus looking over me being like, yo, fam, you. You know what I'm saying? You gave me the wine. You know, you just turned that water into wine. Now you're tripping on me for drinking. <laughs> Don't need that pressure on me. Jesus come in with like two bottles of like Dasani. Like, yo, what, yeah. it just turns it into wine like right there. Take them up and like, just I'm, be like. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, and that's how my podcast gets canceled. <laughs> so that, like, cool. Yo, um, all right, man. Well, I mean, as we get close to wrapping up here, what else can you tell us exciting about your next season of, of wine and weed? Anything you want to share? Like, you know, what, what else can we look forward to from you this year? Wine and weed is going to be an amazing season. Uh, season three, we're going to have a lot more guests. Uh, we've already had a number of people on the show, but we're going to continue to bring more and more people on the show. We got some real heavy hitters coming this season. Finally started to run the show as a real show. My friends were tired of me just texting them saying, come on my show. So now we're, we're getting this thing, getting the right engine behind it. But, Really exciting. Uh, we got some stuff coming up with Black History Month. We got a lot of events, so we're going to be doing one week more as obviously COVID-friendly, making sure we taking our precautions, but at the same time doing little events that we know uh, can just bring more eyes on the podcast, though, not necessarily through the podcast. But that's some cool stuff, man. Nice. I like it, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully when the world opens up and I start DJing again, we'll be in the same room. We can have a, have some wine and uh, some music and, and, and a good time. Please and, do. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining uh, the Mix Show. All right, dude. Thanks for having me, man. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. We will make sure everybody's linked to everything that you're doing. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Mix Show. That was it for another episode of The Mix Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please rate and subscribe to The Mix Show wherever you like to listen and make sure to follow on Instagram at Mick and on Twitter at I am Mick. Let me know who you want to hear on a future episode and we will see you back here next week. The Mix Show is presented in partnership with Maxim. The show is produced by Lantigua Williams & Co. Jaleika Lantigua Williams is our editor. Cedric Wilson is our producer and mixed this episode. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor.